Welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. My name is Tim. I'm Head Ninja at Exposure Ninja, which is a digital agency in the UK. Now, in this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Jonathan Hedger from CollabTree. CollabTree is a platform for you to essentially outsource the expertise for your business. So you can bring in scientists and experts in a particular field to whether it's write content for your site or collaborate on product development or pretty much do anything. Now, from a digital marketing perspective, it's extremely interesting because post Google Medic, every business needs to have really high authority content on their site. And if you're in the medical or scientific or health space, then obviously that person needs to be qualified. But even if you're not, there are potential uses for these sorts of experts. We talked through one example actually that was um, carried out by uh, spareroom.co.uk as a bit of an SEO or digital PR exercise where they had one of the um, experts on CollabTree work with Spareroom to calculate how Ross would get the sofa up the stairs in that epic scene from Friends. And this piece went and got loads of coverage all over the place, national newspapers, places like House Beautiful, Washington Post, I think, covered it, uh, the mirror as well, loads and loads of different high quality um, authority links. And it's because it was a combination of something that's quite familiar to us, i.e. friends, with a scientific take on it. So there's loads of opportunities here. So as Jonathan's talking, what I want you to do is get your brain in gear thinking about what could the possible uses for these sorts of experts be in our business and how could we use this type of expert expertise to get attention for what we do. So um, really interesting chat. Jonathan's a very bright guy and of course has fantastic discerning taste and an eye for quality as they are in a client of Exposure Ninja. So enjoy this episode with Jonathan Hedger from CollabTree. And before I forget, just in case you thought you were going to get through the intro with no ad, there is a very small one. If you're used to listening to the show on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever, don't forget you can also watch the video versions of all of our podcasts over on the Exposure Ninja YouTube channel. So if you go to youtube.com forward slash Exposure Ninja, you will see them all there. Enjoy the show. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Tim. Pleasure to be here. So you are from CollabTree, aren't you? And uh, in this episode, we're going to be talking about a kind of new way of working with um, experts in, in a particular field and the SEO and conversion implications that that has. It also piggybacks on a, a bit of a trend that we at EN are extremely fond of, which is remote work. Um, so being from CollabTree, maybe you could give us a bit of an intro as to what CollabTree is and, and how it works. Sure. Um, so CollabTree, we were founded in, in 2015, so a relatively new company. Um, we're the world's largest freelancing platform for scientists. Um, so we have 10,000 registered PhDs now, um, which we just passed last week. So that was a big, exciting milestone for us. Um, and essentially, we help businesses or entrepreneurs or any organizations that need help from a specialist. Um, whether it's a scientist, like a food scientist, or someone to help with um, product development or food formulation, they essentially come to CollabTree, and they post their projects, and they can liaise with, with experts and ultimately hire them. So what might some typical use cases be? We, see, we actually see a very diverse range of um, customers coming to us for help. 
Uh, one of the largest areas is in the healthcare and um, in the medical space. So a lot, a lot, a lot of the time, it's um, scientists or scientific sorry scientific researchers uh, or medical researchers who need some help, um, either with some medical writing, or in some cases, um, they need some uh, like a biostatistician to help them with some statistical analysis. We have entrepreneurs who come on board um, who need a food scientist. It might be to develop a new uh, cereal bar. And we get a lot of cannabis-related projects or C CBD-related projects nice. with the rule changes, um, especially in the US. Um, so all, all manner of um, different types of projects. Now, obviously, in the last, say, year, well, yeah, it has really been a year since Google's Medic update. Um, businesses have been more keen than ever to make sure the content on their site is well written but factually or scientifically accurate i know that around the time medic happened we did a lot of studies of sites that had seen big increases or big decreases as medic was kind of being touted as this new world order and it turned out that a lot of the sites that had seen big increases had not only well-written content, but content that was attributed to someone who was qualified to talk about that thing. So I'd be interested to get your perspective as a business that essentially provides that type of content to companies that might not otherwise have it. Do you think that this post-medic stuff is something that will pass? Is it just a, is it a fad or are we entering a, a new era in the internet where people start looking you know when you ask google what does it why does it hurt when i pee and you see the search result you don't just read the answers you first check who's written this are they an expert in this space is this something that businesses are going to have to get used to for the rest of time definitely i think um we need to remember that the internet is still in its relative infancy and it's kind of been a bit like the Wild West and, and you can write pretty much any content you like um, and, it, and it will get indexed and it will get read by people. Um, and this is something that Google has recognized and obviously they recognize the importance of delivering quality and relevance to their users because they want people to continue to use Google. Um, and what's happened in recent times, a, a good example actually is, is the fake news um, where content has gone online and people have read it and believed that it's real. And so companies like Google, um, they recognize that they have a responsibility to make sure that the content that, that they're putting online is accurate and truthful. Um, and of course, the challenge is how, how you define accuracy and truthfulness. And um, traditionally, our customers have been sort of biotech and pharmaceutical companies or medical and healthcare companies that are looking to pr produce content for their customers who are very often doctors. But with what's um, happened on Google um, recently, um, we're finding more and more people are coming to us because they have content which can be about any number of things, you know, like um, is, you know, will orange juice cure a cold or, you know, all sorts of different things. And there's a lot of content written about this. But the question is, um, is it based on real data? Is it written or edited by experts and a lot of time a lot of the time the answer to that is no mm. so we do find a lot of companies coming to us because they want someone who's actually qualified to respond to that question um, with an accurate and reliable answer so that they can attribute that article 
um, to that individual, and that is something that Google recognizes. So if it sees that the article is not necessarily even written by an expert, but at least fact-checked by one, um, then that's, that adds a lot of credibility to that website, which um, we believe ultimately has an SEO benefit. Uh, it's a really interesting example that the orange juice doesn't cure a cold, because I guess that illustrates perfectly the 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 problem with the current internet, which is that someone writes an article a while back that says orange juice contains vitamin C, that helps, you know, whatever, so that helps you with colds, and then that article then gets cited, and you end up in this kind of echo chamber of potentially fake news, or news that no one can really verify, because the standard internet answer is yes, orange juice helps with a cold, whereas actually whether or not that's true is something that a, a qualified person would, would need to answer really. So I can understand how that means that in order to kind of verify what is actually true, Google Google's never going to know what truth is, is it really? It just has to look at who is best suited to give this answer and is that person responsible for the answer or is it you know, Abigail Smith, who's written last week, she was writing about five exercises to lose tummy fat. And, you know, she's got no specialism at all. That's right. So so we believe that Google is is looking for signals that will help it make um, some kind of a decision as to what is the best um, the best website to rank, and it's not necessarily the one with the most inbound links, for example. And mm. um, as we know, there's a whole variety of factors. Um, but with, with the sites um, that qualify as your money or your life, um, um, obviously your life is healthcare. Um, and with those, Google has, has said that it's looking specifically to um, be able to identify the, the kind of credibility and authority of that individual. Uh, do they have the qualifications to answer that question? If they do, um, then on a like-for-like -like basis, it's more likely that that website will be ranked better um, in the eyes of Google than yeah. one that doesn't have content that's written by a credible source. And I guess the the pressure for Google to get this right only intensifies as Google gets better. I know that, you know, just having like a little Google home in your house and being able to ask any question, you kind of get used to answers which sound about right. One of the examples we use in our seminars is the question, what's the optimal room for, what's the optimal temperature for a baby's room at night? The answer to that question is quite important that, that that comes from someone who is qualified and not, you know, some randomer who says, you know, 10 degrees and then before you know it, because we've all been conditioned to just trust Google as right all the time. You know, you, you, st you start getting fake news when it really matters. I'm, I'm interested to know whether you think that at the moment, Google's particularly focusing, focusing on your money or your life. Is this something that's going to expand out from just being, oh, I am my well stuff? Will every business need to worry about who has written the content or who is attributed to writing the content on their sites? Yeah. And so going back to your original example, um, I, th I think the, um, of the temperature of the room for the baby. Um, so if so the thing about the good the thing about academics is they have a very rigorous process in terms of trying to identify what the answer is and it may be that they don't if you ask an expert they don't actually know the answer but what they will do is they'll go and do a literature review and they'll conduct mm -hmm. meta analyses and they'll look at all of the research that's ever been done on that and then based on um, 
compiling all of that information together. Um, normally, it's possible to come with, come up with a, a, um, a reasonable answer to that question based based on a number of various studies and facts, and 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 that's that is the right thing to present uh, to an audience. So, as you say, mm. there are a variety of different views, and um, you know, ideally based on actual data. Um, someone will go out and normally this is some someone with a PhD or a postgraduate degree of some sort they'll be able to go out and find the best answer for that and 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 that, and if you're able to produce content that, that that's that rigorous that is backed up um, then then that's definitely helpful in terms of um, in terms of other areas I think this all kind of comes back to uh, what Google is and, and what Google is trying to do and, it, and it's essentially the same with other search engines they want to make sure that they are the best place to find the right answer to whatever question is being asked by that individual in that exact moment uh, in time. Mm -hmm. And I think it started with um, with healthcare and any any money related, because that those are the ones where the stakes are the highest. Um, if someone is given the wrong advice or the wrong information, then potentially that can be very harmful, both in terms of health and in terms of finances. Um, but I think once. Once they've kind of got that nailed, then it, then it's probable that they're going to move into other areas. And the reason for that um, is, again, going back to the reason uh, or, or the ultimate mission of Google, which is to provide the best, uh, to, to provide the best and most uh, relevant answers. So I think that it will apply with everything. This is just where they've started. It makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Obviously, at the moment, we're talking about on-site content so blogs or knowledge base pieces as well but i suppose if we're talking about the other side of seo which is picking up good quality inbound links that's going to be much easier as well with the access with access to the sort of expertise that companies like collabtree offer um, i know that when we're doing outreach to different publications if we can pitch a publication on something that's been written by a genuine authority they're much more likely to take that on and if we say yeah it's been written by tony and he knows a bit about or he's done some research on it it's much less credible isn't it so is that something that you see popular is that a popular use case on collaboratory using these sorts of experts for outbound and link acquisition it is um, d definitely in, in, in all sorts of different sized companies. So um, even in relatively small companies where the CEO themselves is extremely passionate about a particular subject area, because they're busy running their business, they don't necessarily have that much time to yeah. write content. Um, but they do recognize that um, it's an important part of their growth strategy to write content because people need to understand or, or them, they as a business want people to understand that they are the experts in what they do. Yeah. Um, so we do see uh, examples, uh, not just in healthcare, um, but in all sorts of areas where organizations are looking for an expert in a, a particular area that's able to write in a, in a various, um, you know, in a variety of different styles to, su to suit a variety of audiences. And um, so that, that those guest posts essentially can go out onto, um, onto other websites which will then link back to them and um, and, th and there's a kind of dual benefit in that obviously there, there is the benefit of those inbound links from what um, hopefully are authoritative and high domain websites um, but also you're putting content in front of your target market which is the which is actually the number one reason you're doing this mm -hmm. because 
you want the people who have a particular problem and where you are the best qualified person to solve that problem, to know about you, to know who you are, uh, to read your content and to be convinced that you are actually the right person to help them. Which moves us nicely onto the topic of credi credibility. I guess it's easy to think with a topic like this that it's easy to look at everything from a bit of an SEO perspective, isn't it? And just think about what can we say to rank and what can we say to get links? Whereas what we're actually talking about is increasing the credibility of your business, which is, you know, that's all Google is, is trying to measure anyway. Um, it's interesting when we're building a website, if we're building a site for a business, which is scientific or they have deep expertise in one particular area, they'll often be very, very keen, obviously, to make sure that the content on the site has been well written and well researched. And yet simultaneously, like you said, they're all so busy, they're never able to give us the content. So it ends up being this kind of awkward balancing act where we're trying to interview people at the company and then write that up and then get it approved. I'm guessing that that's something that you see becoming a lot easier with sites like Collabtree, allowing us to just tap into experts as an agency um, in that sort of situation rather than having to draw bandwidth from the client themselves. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I think one of the advantages of, um, of platforms um, like Collabtree and um, Upwork as well, you know, we're a very mm -hmm. similar business. The only difference is that we're very much focused in the, in the scientific space. Um, but the advantage is you, you can actually collaborate with a number of different um, potential freelancers before you actually select one. Um, so a lot of organ organizations have various writing styles. So sometimes they want it to be deeply scientific and perhaps a bit dry, but very factual. And others want something that's actually more engaging and entertaining. And um, I think that, that that's kind of one of, one of the benefits. Um, you, you, can get, you can get the kind of style that you want. One of the things that we do to pick up links is put together a real thought leadership piece in a space. And, you know, the goal is to write the ultimate guide to whatever or some kind of, you know, leading piece, whether it's from a survey that we've conducted or something like that. Perhaps you could talk about how experts can be used to work on that type of project, because if you're listening and you're worrying about or you're, you're thinking about how do we pick up loads of links in one go, this can often be a nice way of doing that but you're not going to find one expert that's going to be able to write the whole thing presumably so it's going to have to be quite collaborative yeah um that's right uh, so a lot of the time with this kind of exercise it's great to have some first-hand data and that could be data which is from a survey um because because we are talking about academics and um, a lot of the time they'll be very experienced with surveys and and there is actually very much a, a, a science to writing a good survey where you can ask mm. the right probing questions true, and get true. the right and get the right answer. Um, so sometimes we'll we'll have uh, clients who will hire someone just for that, um, and then they may hire one or two other people to then address various aspects of the output of those results. Um, and also, as part of that, it makes sense to look at any existing data that, um, uh, that's or any existing research that's been done before. So that way, when you're producing your white paper, um, it's not just a, a standalone piece. It's actually you're bringing up to date all of the um, all of the work or all of the studies or research that have been done 
um, in the past. And it's a little bit like skyscraper content, I guess. Mm. It's the way that you're taking um, everything that's been done before and you're creating the, the ultimate latest version of it. And the benefit of that, of course, is that you become the go-to source and it, and it helps you with that credibility that we were talking about. So I'll, I'll ask you in a bit about how people actually do that because that sounds like quite an intimidating thing and you know what are the moving parts and, and how do we work on the process there but I noticed when I was I think I did the original marketing review on your site and I noticed that there was a piece about product development and you know we'll hire specialists specialist developers um to work freelance on a particular project if there's like a particular piece of of coding or whatever but does the rise of outsourcing to scientists mean that people will be able to develop products which they wouldn't previously have been able to because you know i i know you've given other examples but if i if i'm if i'm trying to build an instagram business for example and i want to make one of those mud face peels that everyone's raving about at the moment i guess i can now hire a scientist to actually help me with that formulation i don't just have to go to china and buy the first thing that hits me right this is this is massive on all sorts of levels even outside marketing yeah i mean this goes right back to the reason that Colab Tree was founded as a business, actually, um, on the premise that there's a huge amount of um, of knowledge and innovation happening in the world of science, mm. the effectiveness in connecting that with commerce and actually um, taking ideas um, to market is not particularly efficient, and and so that's kind of the uh, why the business was founded originally, um, to 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 connect these scientists with um, organizations who are able to actually take products to market or to commercialize those products or to um, put them into a situation where they're actually serving um, serving the purpose um, for which that th they were developed in the first place effectively. Um, so our CEO Ashmita, she likes to call it the democratization of science. So trying to make, um, trying to tap into the, the incredible um, intelligence that exists within this scientific community. And um, we have lots of examples of this happening right now, Tim, especially with um, what's been happening in recent times um, around machine learning and artificial intelligence. So we have a lot of experts in this area um, who uh, really understand uh, deep learning algorithms and this kind of thing. And this kind of knowledge and technology is what's powering some of the world's most, um, well, fastest growing startups right now. So in the past, it would it would potentially have been relatively difficult for an entrepreneur to turn their idea into something real. But it's actually um, platforms like CollabTree, the, the idea is that they actually make that very, very easy. Um, and you can literally post your project on, on CollabTree and be liaising with an expert in any particular field within 24 hours. And that doesn't cost anything. So it's only when you uh, decide that you want to work with the individual, um, then Colab Tree takes takes a twenty percent um, platform fee. So it does mean that um, people can come onto our onto our platform and they can liaise um, directly with experts and and actually have open dialogue with them. And it's only when they're convinced that they that they can actually help them um, that they need to make any kind of commitment. So um, that's just an example of how we're trying to make it really really accessible. 
It's a really good point. I mean, previously, if you're a founder and you're not particularly technical, but you need help with something like machine learning, what would you have done? You would have had to go to meetups, presumably, and network with people and then potentially bring that person on as a salaried employee or give them equity or something like that, which is all a bit scary if you've just met someone. Whereas with a site like Collabtree, and obviously there are other sites out there, people like Upwork can give you a kind of broad range of development um, skills in, in a similar kind of thread but you can just start working on that on that thing immediately and there's a cost saving because once that job is done you don't you're not paying that person in equity for the rest of their lives so yeah I can I can certainly see the appeal that's right and and these guys as well they um, they absolutely love what they do so a lot of a lot of the experts on our platform really love to get involved with real world ideas. That's what they, they thrive on. So there's a huge amount of passion um, amongst our freelancer base as well. Cool. So someone's listening and they're thinking, this sounds great. I want to I wanna build out a project. I want to, whether it's like producing a content piece or working on product development or whatever. I've never done this before. It feels a bit intimidating. It's not like Upwork where you might be talking to someone who's you know, fairly basic and you don't feel that intimidated. Here we're talking to like real freaking scientists, so I don't want to look like an idiot. Have you got some tips on how people can create a job which is actually going to be really attractive to the sort of applicants they actually want to attract? Yeah, I mean, it's really just about um, articulating the exact problem that you have. So we generally we say when you come to us, um, it, it's a good idea to have a, a brief um, so some customers come to us with a fully formed brief. They know exactly what it is that they want. And normally the best way to articulate that is just to describe the problem that you're facing um, and, and maybe uh, some indication of what you think the right solution might be. And you don't even need at that point to decide what the person you're reaching out to is an expert in because all of the projects are put, um, are put, are put onto our website and our team will then identify who they think the right person is. Right. There's a number of other examples of as well where we have clients come to us who don't have a fully formed idea of what they want. They know roughly what they want, um, but they're not really ready to put a brief together because they don't know what would go into that brief. Mm. And so we encourage them to do exactly the same thing, um, essentially, and come onto our website and post the project on the website just by describing, once again, just describing the challenge that they have. Um, because it, it's normally actually through speaking with some of the experts on the platform that you start to get an idea of exactly what your brief would look like. So you, you can actually use the experts um, on Collabtree to help you um, to help you form the brief, and, and it may be the same person that you ultimately award that project to, or it may be a different one. So I think the the, the main the main point here I'm trying to make is fantastic if, if you know exactly what you want and you've got a fully formed brief but if you don't it doesn't matter um it may be that it's only after speaking to an expert in the area you'll really understand whether you know how feasible your idea is and whether it actually could be made into a, a fully formed brief and ultimately launched um, as a project i think that's really important to note that you don't necessarily need to know what it's all going to look like because it can feel quite intimidating kind of even when you know, if we're posting for a developer and if the project manager who's posting that job doesn't really understand the intricacies of exactly what's required, you can worry, you feel a bit worried about looking like an idiot. Whereas you're saying, as long as you know the shape of the problem, 
the experts themselves will help you figure out and, and you know they're not they're not going to judge you absolutely not no at the end of the day um you need a problem solved and you don't know who the right person to speak to is and there's lots of enthusiastic people on the platform who are ready to to help answer that question before you have to make any commitment so actually the risk you know the risk is quite low so what about tips for the working relationship what sort of expectations should people have working with scientists like these so the, the the platform has built has been built in a way to try and facilitate that as much as possible. So um, so all all of the kind of dialogue can be managed um, in the platform. We in terms of things like project costs. So that's always one of the biggest questions people ask. Mm. This idea, I need some help with it. I've got no idea how much I should be charging or how much I sh- how much I should be paying for this particular project. Um, our platform works on a bidding system, so um, you can just put the projects live and you can give some sort of um, rough indication of budget, but ultimately it's um, bids that will come in from the freelancers that will give you the fairest indication of, of what the of what the right price, you know, what the right price to pay is. Um, in terms of in terms of managing the project, so it's always useful to have milestones. And um, again, these are not things that you need to set up up front. You can actually work out the milestones with the freelancer. Um, so they quite often they'll come back and they'll say, OK, I've, I've looked at your project or your project scope. Um, I think it should be broken down into three pieces, um, which we could call deliverables or milestones. Um, I'll, I'll focus on milestone number one first and the deliverable will be this, um, which I estimate will take this much, roughly this much time and will cost this much money. And uh, normally it will either be on an hourly basis or on a project basis. So that's really up to you. Uh, it's between the client and the freelancer to decide on that. Budget's a scary one, isn't it? Because you can feel if someone, particularly on a bidding platform, if someone sets a bid which is too low, you can think, ah, maybe they don't really know what they're doing or they're less experienced. But if someone sets a bid that's too high, that doesn't necessarily guarantee you of quality. And I know that we, when we've been looking for outside help to help us with various things, we've been burnt either way, thinking, oh, we're getting a great deal and that person actually doesn't know what they're talking about or paying top whack, thinking we're going to get top quality and actually, you know, it's just someone who's just taking a punt and seeing if anyone bites. So how do you police that and how should businesses going onto the site to request jobs, how should they think about what sort of budget they need to be working at yeah so the like i said most of the freelancers on our platform are phds mm. um or they have they have some kind of uh a specialist postgraduate qualification those that are phds will have written publications as part of their phd so that they'll have published papers so if you need any reassurance that someone is an expert um, in a particular area then you just look to see whether they've published papers in that area, whatever that whatever that area is, and so you can see those against people's uh, profile on the Colab Tree website. Um, what you'll quite often see is that um, you may get two people who are equally qualified, and one has got a very has has put in quite a high price, and one has put quite a low price. Um, it's, I think, it's partly by nature of the fact that our freelancers um, will bid on projects not just based on their expertise but based on whether they're genuinely interesting and exciting for that individual 
So it's difficult to know that there isn't always a direct correlation between price and ability or, or qualification. So um, I, my best advice would be to ask some probing questions because you can do that. You can be in dialogue before we make any commitment. So you can ask them for some, uh, ask them some questions. You can ask uh, uh, for any publications um, that they've done, which may maybe aren't already on their profile or examples of work that they've done in similar areas. And, and so you should be able to get to a point where actually you have a high level of confidence um, and you can do a Skype call with them as well. So um, you can really make it down to them, put the onus on them to convince you that they are the right person. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It's important to remember that price is only one of the criteria that you should use to decide something like this, isn't it? And I think yeah. with a Skype call, you're not going to get through a 20 minute Skype call with someone without getting a sense for how passionate they are about the project that you're working on. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and you normally you'll normally get a lot of really useful information even during a during a call like that because they'll be keen to demonstrate their their knowledge and expertise in this area. So um, a call like that um, can be really really valuable. So Jonathan, do you have any examples of businesses that have used CollabTree's body of scientists to get coverage to get their business some attention? Yeah, we do. Um, We've got various examples. Probably one of the most um, one of the most memorable ones is we recently helped someone hire a mathematician to figure out how Ross could have got the sofa up the stairs in the friend's pivot room. <laughs> so, um, we, which actually worked out very well. Um, they got a lot of um, a lot of coverage in various newspapers and, and online mentions as well. So that's quite interesting because that's something that's comedy and throwaway but it's a bit of an iconic thing isn't it we see this a lot with um, with businesses picking up links they'll say you know the how many people were at Donald Trump's rally or whatever and then they'll get some scientists to work out the people per square meter and then you know calculate that and kind of having people deconstruct things that we just kind of take for granted seems to be a, a really good angle to, to get some attention from yeah, it's, I think it's, it's really relatable. People kind of, it's fun, um, but it's also factual. Um, so so it, I think it, yeah, it really appeals. It, it's, it's, um, I think it's something that journalists really like um, because it's, it's new information and there is, there is data there to support it, but it's also fun. Yeah, perfect combination of your audience already knows it, but this is a new take on it. Love it, love it. Exactly. Awesome. Well, Jonathan, this is fascinating. I'm a massive believer in CollabTree. I remember since I first reviewed the site, I was like, yes, we'd actually been looking for sites that offered this. And CollabTree was one of the ones that we found during our search for more advanced um, content writers that we needed for, for more advanced projects. So big believer in, in where you're at. And I think you're exactly where the market will end up going. Um, and obviously for some for some businesses, they're there already. So really exciting space to be in. Thank you so much for, for coming on to the show to talk about CollabTree. Where do people go to find out a bit more about you and drop in a project? Yeah, great. Thanks, Tim. Um, so we recommend you come visit our website. So it's www.collabtree, that's K-O-L-A-B-T-R-E-E.com. Um, and uh, you'll find all the information um, about uh, who we are and what we do. You can browse through our 10,000 freelancer profiles. And if you want to post your project, you can just hit the green button and fill in the short form. It only takes a couple of minutes. 
and most people um, start receiving bids within 24 hours. So, um, like I said, if you have a fully formed idea, um, go for it. Even if your idea isn't quite fully formed yet, um, feel free to post a project on the website and uh, our team will try and help you or you can connect with the freelancers who should be able to help you um, form your idea. Fantastic. Thanks, Jonathan. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thanks, Tim.